Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio, and how the tech are ya? It is Friday. It is time for a classic episode of Tech Stuff. This episode originally published on June 22nd, 2016. It is titled, How the Disney Magic Works. The Disney Magic being a cruise ship. I hope you enjoy. Now, before I jump into this show... I just want to let you all know, Disney had nothing to do with me choosing this episode, apart from the fact that I'm going on a cruise anyway. This is not a sponsored show. I'm not getting any perks for recording it. Uh, in fact, Disney's not even aware I'm doing this. They wouldn't know me from anybody else out there. And I say this because I am a Disney fanboy. I'm going to geek out over Disney stuff as well as the cruise ship technology stuff. And it's important you know I have a completely biased opinion, but it comes to me honestly. Now, that being said, the company, if they decide they want to sit me on a cruise, they can do that. I'm not going to turn it down. I love them. I'm really hoping that I can actually get a bridge tour this this uh, cruise, but they don't tend to do those. So... If it happens, it will only be because somebody took pity on me. All right, so let's let's talk about the history of Disney in the cruise industry. Um, before the Disney Company actually commissioned its own cruise ships, it partnered with an existing company called Premier Cruise Line back in 1985. Premier became known as the official cruise line of Walt Disney World, and Disney characters would appear on Premier ships. It was one of the things that set Premier apart. Premier was also known as the Big Red Boat, because some of their ships were big and red. Big-ish. They're not as big as the ones that you would see today in the industry. And the nickname of its flagship, Starship Oceanic, was the Big Red Boat. 
and it actually became the official name of two of their other ships. They actually renamed them because both of those ships were older. With the exception of one of their ships, the Starship Atlantic, which was built in 1982, the company's fleet consisted of ships built between 1955 and 1970, so they were a little on the creaky side. The partnership with Disney ended in 1993. Premier would eventually go out of business in 2000, and out of all the ships in their fleet, only one still exists, and that is the Atlantic. All the others have either been sold for scrap or they sank. So Disney had kind of dipped its toe in the cruise partnership world. And once that partnership with Premier ended, you know, it was a an agreement to last a certain amount of time, essentially a little less than 10 years. The Disney company started to hold talks with other cruise lines, including Carnival and Royal Caribbean. But neither of those companies could agree to Disney's terms, essentially how much money they would have to pay Disney to allow Disney characters to appear on those cruise ships. By 1994, the rumors were that Disney, the company, was looking at creating its own line of cruise ships. Now, the actual Disney Cruise Line Department was founded in 1995, and Disney commissioned two ships from an Italian shipyard called Fincantieri. Uh, The two ships would become the Disney Magic and the Disney Wonder. And according to a website called Hidden Mickeys, the Magic cost $350 million to build. I've also seen that figure go up as high as $400 million to build. So between $350 and $400 million. So a big, big investment on the part of Disney in an area that they had not really explored. But they saw an opportunity. Because, as Disney representatives will tell you, the issue with the cruise industry was it was mainly geared toward adults and a lot of uh, senior citizens as well, but not so much to families with children. And so they saw it as an opportunity to do to the cruise industry what they had done with theme parks and hotels and other things like that. So they decided to take this plunge. Now, Michael Eisner was in charge of Disney at the time, and he wanted the ships to have a classic ocean liner feel. So, Something akin to what you would have seen back in the old days of ocean liners. We're talking like the early 1900s. And to take those lines and kind of update it with modern accents, but to still have that classic style. So that's exactly what the engineers did. They started to design this so it kind of had this sleek look of a classic ocean liner, complete with two smokestacks, even though those were not both necessary. More on that in a second. And they decided that the interior decoration was going to be in the Art Deco style for the Disney Magic. The Wonder actually has an Art Nouveau style. Now, the ship was constructed in two halves. You had the the bow and the stern, the front and the back. The front half of the ship was built at the Ancona shipyard, and the back half was built at the Marghera shipyard, And those two shipyards are more than a 100 miles apart from each other. So once they finished building out the fore half, the the forward or front half, they had to tow it back to the other shipyard. And they did this by placing it on a giant kind of floating barge, essentially, and towed that more than a 100 miles to the other shipyard. And then they had to fit the two together. Now, remember that this ship is like a small city. It has all of these independent systems that make up the ship. That includes a water system, so lots of water pipes, uh, an electric grid, including electric generators, uh, climate control, and more. I mean, everything that you would expect to have in a nice hotel has to be on the ship, which means all those systems have to be self, uh, self-contained. And that means that all of this stuff laid out had to fit together perfectly. You could not have any misalignment or else the conduits where you would allow electrical wires to go through or the air duct systems or the water pipes, they wouldn't match up. So they had to make it precise and hope that they could fit it together exactly the way it needed to. And this is not a a small challenge. It's actually pretty tough. So once they got to the point where they were ready to put the two halves together, each half had to be put on a giant rail system. And this allowed them to very slowly bring the two halves until they met in the in the center. 
And then they started to weld the ship together. And that's where you get the full ship, the Disney magic. Now, this construction project encountered multiple delays throughout the process due to other construction projects being a little slow uh, at the shipyards. And it meant that Disney had to keep pushing back the date of its initial sailing. And uh, it ended up being almost five months late as a result of this. Uh, the Magic finally set sail across the Atlantic to its home port in Florida over at Port, port Canaveral and was ready for its first cruise uh, several months later than it was originally planned. In, uh, I believe it was uh, July of uh, 1998. So a little bit later than what they had hoped. At any rate, it does take a long time to build one of these ships. There's a lot that goes into it. In the design process, you have the Imagineers, that's the Disney term for the engineers who bring Disney's flair into whatever projects they're making. So Disney Imagineers are responsible for pretty much anything physical that you encounter within Disney. So you think about the Disney parks, the Imagineers are the ones who are designed, uh, who have designed all the theming, all the rides, everything that you encounter. An Imagineer has had a hand in designing. Same thing is true for the cruise ships, but it meant that they had to design things and then shipbuilders actually had to make it happen. So it was an interesting relationship because this was not something that they had done before. So Imagineers would typically use 3D rendering software to build virtual representation of a space that they wanted to create within the ship. So you had a virtual model and then you had to plan out how could you achieve this physically. And in some cases, it might mean that you had to go back and redesign. That's why you have to use that 3D approach so that at least it's less complicated than building something out and then realizing it's not going to work. Now, part of that included building out spaces specifically for kids. I mean, this is Disney we're talking about. And in fact, kids have a couple of different areas on a couple of different decks of the various Disney cruise ships that are dedicated just for them. Adults, apart from the supervising adults, are not allowed in that space. So uh, the worst part is these are some of the coolest areas of the ship. And typically, you only get to see it maybe when you first board. Sometimes the Disney allows adults to tour the spaces before the ship gets underway because... You might be looking at it in order to decide whether your kid will go to the Oceaneers Club, for example. And maybe you don't have a kid, but maybe you do want to be an Avenger, so you go anyway. I'm not saying I've done that. I'm just saying I'm not above doing that. At any rate, a lot of really interesting spaces. And when the Imagineers were designing these spaces, they had to take certain considerations in mind that you wouldn't necessarily think of for other spaces. So they actually built out some rooms that had lower ceilings, which makes the kids feel taller because they're in a space that is scaled more to their size. They also created different stories for different areas. Like there's a Toy Story area. There's a uh, a Pixie area. There's um the Avengers area, which is the one I really want to go through. And then there, uh, like the Oceaneers Lab, which is more of a science-y, uh, ocean voyage-themed area. And all of this had to be done on computers first before building out the actual physical uh, uh, stuff that would fill up these spaces. And then there had to be the installation phase. So all of this is very technical. It takes a lot of work on the front end before you ever get to a point where a guest actually walks onto the ship. Now, the ship's tonnage is 84,000 tons. That means the ship has the volume of 84,000 tons. That's typically what tonnage means. And it's a pretty big ship, though not as big as the Disney Dream or the Disney Fantasy, which are two of the younger ships in the Disney Cruise Line. And of course, there are other cruise lines that have ships much, much larger. So the Magic is 984 feet long and 106 feet wide at the beam. That means just the widest part part of the ship. And it's 171 and a half feet tall. The draft of the ship is 25.3 feet. Now, the draft refers to the distance from the water line to the bottom of the hull, also known as the keel. So you measure that distance, and that's how you get the draft, 25.3 feet. 
Now, when it launched, the Magic was one of the largest cruise ships in service. In fact, I think it was the third largest ship in service at the time. Now, since then, it's been eclipsed big time. There's Allure of the Seas, which I believe is the largest cruise ship currently in service. That's run by the Royal Caribbean Cruise Line. That one is 1,181 feet long and 208 feet wide with a tonnage of 225,282 tons. So enormous, huge, much bigger than the Disney Magic. But when Disney Magic was first built, it was considered to be a pretty big ship. Now, the Disney Magic has five 16-cylinder Sulzer diesel engines, each of which ha- uh, can has an output of uh, 15,448 horsepower. Serious horsepower there. The total horsepower for the ship is 77,243. Now, that means the Magic's engines have the power equivalent to 100 Formula One race cars running full speed. There are also two 19-megawatt General Electric propulsion motors. That's what actually turns the or provides the power to turn the propellers in the propulsion system. And the ship has a fuel capacity of 20,000 gallons of diesel fuel. So it's running on diesel. Um to run these engines, which also provide the electricity for the entire ship. And the ship's hull has a special coating on it that's designed to actually make it move through the water with less resistance, which reduces the amount of work the engines have to do in order to move the ship. So this was a, an effort to reduce the fuel consumption of the Disney Cruise Line ships and uh, also means that the engines themselves don't have to do as much work, so they don't need to be um, uh, replaced or repaired nearly as frequently. Although, of course, every cruise ship out there undergoes a period of maintenance. It's called dry dock. It's when you bring a ship in, you elevate it above the waterline, and you're able to really work on it and make sure that it's ship shape. Now, there are three bow thrusters and two stern thrusters, each uh, 1,800 kilowatts. And the arrangement allows the ship to turn into play, turn in place without moving forward. So in other words, you can rotate the ship 360 degrees and not be moving forward at the time, uh, which is pretty cool. And, uh, I've actually seen it done because that's how, well, I've seen it done with 180 degrees because that was how the cruise ship would pull into one of the ports of call, the Disney's private island. They would actually turn the ship completely around so that you would back into the space. I don't think they actually have a rear view camera to do that, but maybe they do. Actually, they have lots of cameras all over the place in order to be able to navigate the ship. Now, like I said, the ship has two smokestacks, but one is used for exhaust and the other is decorative and actually houses some other stuff in it. Um, so only one of the two smokestacks actually is for exhausting smoke from the engines. But they decided that they wanted to have the two smokestacks on the cruise ship to give it that classic look. The cruising speed that the ship can attain is 21 and a half knots. It has a maximum speed of around 24 knots, although I've read that it can go as fast as 26 knots, which might be after the Magic has had a couple of um, renovations. It's been uh, upgraded both in 2013 and 2015. More on that in a little bit. One of the interesting things about the Disney Magic is that they have their lifeboats painted a yellow color to match the color of Mickey Mouse's shoes. This was actually a big deal. The U.S. Coast Guard has a standard for lifeboats. They're supposed to be a bright orange, which is considered to be one of the most visible colors on the surface of the ocean. So if you are in a lifeboat, you want to be really visible so that you can be rescued. And Disney had to prove to the Coast Guard that the yellow they wanted to use was, in fact, just as visible as the orange. Or else the Coast Guard would have said, I'm sorry, I know you want to have this beautiful color because you want it to fit the theme of your boat. But people's safety is more important than theming. But Disney was able to prove that the yellow was, in fact, just as visible. And so they were able they were allowed to paint their their lifeboats yellow. And in fact, the cruise ship in general is designed to have the color palette of Mickey Mouse. So it's essentially white, black, red, and yellow. Uh, it has 11 passenger decks uh, and, and three, I think, crew-only decks, but 11 decks that 
passengers can go on. The decks, of course, are floors, kind of like floors of a building. And it has the capacity to hold 2,400 guests. Although, according to some some sources I've read, the actual limit is closer to 2,700. And it has a crew of about 950 people. So you have just shy of a 1,000 people working on this ship to make everything go. And then another 2,400 who are guests. Uh, that's a lot of people to be on one boat. There are 875 staterooms, 262 of which are inside staterooms, which means you don't get a view of the ocean, which is kind of sad. But you have 613 that are outside staterooms, and out of those, 384 have a veranda, uh, which is really nice. And there are three major themed restaurants, uh, Lumiere's, Animator's Palette, and what used to be Parrot Key and is now Carioca's. Uh, plus, you have an adults-only restaurant called Palo and a buffet restaurant called Cabana's. And every restaurant has its own galley attached to it. And a galley is a kitchen. So every single restaurant has its own kitchen. Um, and on the big ships, that's seven galleys total. Now, this was actually a new approach in cruise ships. A lot of cruise ships have a single galley that provides all the food for any of the places where you can get get food. And in fact, a lot of the cruise ships only have one restaurant that you go to. Disney was different. It had all these different themed restaurants. So by having a galley attached to each restaurant, it meant that the waitstaff doesn't have to travel a ridiculous distance or use escalators or elevators to get food to where the guests are. Uh, so this was another innovation in the cruise industry. In addition, guests rotate through the restaurants. I mean, not literally. You actually go to a different restaurant each evening. You get an assignment when you get to your stateroom that tells you which restaurants you go to on which evenings and you travel one to the next. And uh, if you know, you also get your wait staff to travel with you. So the people who are doing your drinks and food service go restaurant to restaurant as you do, which means they get to know what you like, what you don't like, any allergies you might have. This was another big innovation in the cruise industry, something that you don't see in other cruise lines. So some of the innovations that, that Disney came up with aren't necessarily technological, but they were big changes to the way things had been traditionally done within the industry. Before we talk more about the Disney magic, we need to set sail to listen to these messages. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, 
where America goes to hire. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without painful finger sticks. So you can always know which way your glucose is headed. An arrow shows you where you're heading, up, down, or steady. It can also alert you before you go too low or when you're going too high. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM available, you can make better diabetes decisions about food, medication, and activity in the moment. And all those little decisions can lead to big results. Results you can see like more time in range and lower A1C. With Dexcom G7, you can manage your diabetes with confidence. Get started with the number one recommended CGM brand by doctors and patients at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Now, out of the major restaurants, uh, Animator's Palette is probably the most technically sophisticated. In the original incarnation aboard the Disney Magic, the way this worked was you walked into Animator's Palette, and the restaurant starts out with just everything in black and white. The tablecloths, the uh, the walls, the columns, which were designed to look like paintbrushes. Everything's in black and white. Even the waitstaff's outfits were all in black and white. And as you sat down to dinner and dinner commenced, you would start to hear music from various Disney movies. And if you looked around the restaurant, you would see that there were portraits from Disney movies, all in black and white, all around you. Some of which were static portraits. They were just, they were drawn essentially onto the walls, but they had had a a frame set around them. Others were actually displayed on LED television screens, essentially. And if you listen to the music and you recognize where it was from, you could actually look for the corresponding images on the walls and slowly color would seep in. Now, with the LED screens, that's pretty simple. You just, you know, you have a little animation program that allows a a black and white sketch to be infused with color. But for the static portraits, what they used were fiber optic cables that were behind the walls. So you have a computer system that is timed with the soundtrack for the dinner. And as certain songs play, the computer sends the command to light up certain fiber optic lines. And those portraits would slowly go from black and white to color. Uh, Animator's Palette has changed quite a bit since the renovation that happened in 2013, where a lot of these static displays were removed and new LED screens were put in place. So I'll talk a little bit more about that when I get to the renovation side of things. But this was one of those experiences that people really felt had the Disney touch. You walked in, you sat down, the restaurant transforms around you, even so much that the wait staff would change into colorful outfits. Uh, they would go backstage, essentially, and change into their colorful outfits, come back out, and this would be the big dessert celebration part of the dinner. And it was incredible. It's certainly like you might, if you're, if you're a grouch, you might roll your eyes at such a thing, but to see all the, the families and kids get really excited when they, this transformation happens, it's, it's like going to Disney World for the first time and having that experience of discovery. Now I've done this. It'll be 10 times by the time you hear this. So for me, I, I, I still enjoy it. But there's not a whole lot of discovery left for me at this point. That being said, I, I still think it's one of those experiences that really sets the Disney cruise line apart because it's pure Disney. Um, there are two theaters aboard the Disney Magic. One of them is specifically for live performances, although they'll also show movies in that one. And the other one is specifically for movies, uh, although they'll also hold live conference type things in there. Like sometimes they'll have special guests aboard the cruise ship that might give a talk in the second theater. So the big live action theater is the Walt Disney Theater and the cinematic theater is the Buena Vista Theater. Um, so the live action one can seat around 900 people and the Buena Vista one are about 280 or so. And, uh, they're both really impressive. In fact, the, the 
Walt Disney Theater has a lot of different interesting technologies behind it. It's got a stage that's about 40 feet wide. It's pretty impressive considering it's on a boat. And it has an advanced fly system, which doesn't involve zippers necessarily anyway. A fly system in theatrical terms is a term for a rigging system. And the rigging system is a bunch of ropes and pulleys. And they're meant to do things like move curtains or lights or scenery and sometimes even people. So if you've ever seen a show where a person is in a flight harness and they're flying around, that's because they're part of the fly system. And of course, in Disney, that happens a lot. You've got characters like Peter Pan who fly around over the stage. So they are uh, part of this or dependent upon this pretty impressive flight system or fly system. The stage also has several lifts. Uh, so they have lifts that can, that can elevate or re- recess below the stage. There's a storage area below the stage where scenery can, can, uh, be, or, or actually characters can wait so that they can dramatically appear on stage, the being lifted out from underneath. And, uh, it's really pretty incredible to think about that you're on a moving platform. You're on a ship and the ship is at sea. And you have these theatrical elements that have to be placed on elevators to go up or down. So you might think, well, how do they make sure stuff doesn't slide around if the ship is rolling a little bit? And there are two things that they do. One is that the stage itself has tracks built into it. And the scenery can be placed on these tracks. They look like almost like if you remember old slot cars, it looks kind of like the slots for slot car racing. And you set the scenery into these and you can even have it all computerized and automated so that the scenes can come on and off through a computer control. Uh, but that the tracks actually limit where the scenery can move. So that way it doesn't just roll all over the stage if the seas get a little choppy. The other thing they can do is they can also alter the shows so they can take out stuff that isn't necessary for the show if the sea is acting up a bit. So what they'll do is they'll, they'll simplify a sequence so that there's not as many elements on the stage, or they might remove some of the dance moves that the performers need to do so that they aren't endangering themselves while they're trying to perform. And so it's a combination of changing the performance itself and depending upon this technology. If you talk to people in theater, they often will refer to the cruise ship stages being as advanced as something you would see on a state-of-the-art stage on Broadway or London's West End. That's the amount of detail that Disney put into this stuff, including things like LEDs that are inside the uh, the ceiling where you'll get a starlight effect inside the theater. It creates this more immersive experience for the audience. They also have pyrotechnic capabilities, so you'll actually get some fireworks in some of the shows. And these are all things that you wouldn't necessarily think to find on a cruise ship or even just a regular theater, theatrical stage. Uh, I've got a chance to do a behind-the-scenes tour of the stage as well. Disney used to do a lot more behind-the-scenes stuff um, several, like more than a decade ago now. And I took those opportunities to take those tours. It was really interesting to see how they made as much use of the space as possible. This theater doesn't have very much wing space. So everything has to go either up or back or down from the stage because there's not really a whole lot of room stage left or stage right. And it also showed how technical these shows were. They had to be timed just right For multiple reasons. They had to be timed just right so that the scenery and the lighting and the effects are all coming on at the right time. So you have all these very sophisticated computer systems that keep all of that um, synchronized properly. And you also have to time it right because of the schedule that people have in the evening. You would either be coming from dinner and seeing a show or you'd see the show and then go to dinner. And you don't want anything to run too long and interfere with the rest of the schedule. So it was really cool to see how they had set up these computer systems that were all specifically designed for each show. And keep in mind, if it's a long cruise, they do multiple shows. They do two shows a night for the two different seatings that they have for dinner. There's an early seating that kids tend to go to. 
and then they go see the show afterward. And then there's the late seating that adults tend to go to. They see the show earlier in the night. They see it before dinner. And that means that you have to have a sophisticated technical system that can handle all of the needs of each show, do it twice a night, and then be switched over for the following night. And it is really neat to see this stuff backstage. If you ever get a chance to uh, check that out, you should. There are also several documentaries, more or less commercials for the Disney Cruise Line, that do show you some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. And it's cool. Sadly, most of them are pretty limited in what they show you. So if you ever get a chance to actually do a behind-the-scenes tour, I highly recommend it because it is really cool to see how they put this stuff together. Uh, and keeping in mind, this is all on a ship that's moving around. I, As a performer, I, I've done some stage work. I've done musicals where I have to dance and sing. I'm not great at it. And to think about having to do that on a stage that's actually moving is terrifying. So let's talk about some of the other technical stuff about this ship. Not just the theater, which obviously I'm a huge fan of, but the actual things that make the ship itself work. The most technically complicated area of the ship is undoubtedly the bridge. The bridge of the ship is where the ship's senior staff who are in charge of the the systems that keep the ship running and navigate navigation as well as uh, as actual uh, steering the ship, all of that is located on the bridge. And uh, then you have other departments that are obviously very important where these those officers would be located elsewhere. They would not be on the bridge. That's where your ship's captain is going to be most of the time. And if you were to take a look at it, it would look a lot like uh, the Star Trek Enterprise set. I mean, you have these different consoles with computer screens and lots of complicated-looking controls. And they're all very important for the control and and safe operation of the ship. There are stations for communications, navigation, and other critical systems all on the bridge. And you'll see lots of screens showing stuff like current sea conditions, uh, weather, uh, any sort of uh, naval traffic that's going through the area, ship status, that kind of stuff. They do have a ship's wheel. So you could stand behind the wheel and use the wheel to steer the ship. But they also have an option to route all the ship controls into a joystick. So you could actually have the thrust, the the steering, all of that in a single joystick, which is particularly useful if you are maneuvering in or out of a dock. You can also hand over controls to a land-based system if necessary. But it's really interesting to see that all of these complex controls, like the thrusters and the the steering and all of these other elements can be boiled down to a single joystick control when necessary. In normal operations, you wouldn't be using that. But for something where you're using precise movements and you're trying to maneuver so that you can dock or something similar, then it becomes necessary. They also have a semaphore flag station. Yeah, the cruise ship still uses semaphore flags in case other communication tools are unavailable or not working. So semaphore, you've probably seen it, the idea of holding flags that have symbols on them and then you uh, move your arms in a particular way. It usually looks very robotic, very stiff. But those are specific ways of communicating messages to other ships when your communications tools have otherwise died down. It's all visual based. And you can send messages like we're in distress or, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, we've got uh, the, we need some help, whatever it might be. And they have a whole cabinet filled with the various semaphore flags they would need in order to communicate at any part of the world, which is pretty cool that they have the low-tech version of long-distance communication along with the more high-tech versions as well, because you want to have some redundancy in those. When you're talking about more than 2,000 guests, you've got to have those redundant systems in place just in case something goes wrong. There's also apparently a bridge simulator for the kids in Ocean Quest, but that's a kids-only area. So that's one of those things I've heard about, but I've never actually seen because despite my sense of humor and my general personality, I am not a child, so I'm not allowed to go there. But 
they apparently have a live camera feed from the bridge that serves as the uh, the vision they see. Like the they have windows, or actually they're displays, but they look like windows up in front of them, and that's coming from the live camera feed from the bridge. And then you have controls that you can use as a kid that simulate the way it would work if you were actually on the bridge of the ship itself, which sounds so cool that I wish that all the staterooms had one of these because I would play with it. But again, I'm not allowed to go there, so I haven't been able to experience this myself. Some other interesting technical details. When Disney Magic anchors, when they have to lower the anchor, they're lowering an anchor that weighs 28,200 pounds. So imagine the torque necessary on the motor to be able to lift 28,200 pounds worth of anchor. The ship has seven propellers. There's has two primary propellers and then five thruster propellers. I mentioned the thrusters earlier. You have two in the stern and three in the bow. The two primary propellers weigh 18 tons each. They are enormous and heavy. And in order to limit the amount of rolling that the ship does, rolling is the side-to-side motion. Like if you're looking for, uh, meaning you're looking forward from the position you are in on the ship, rolling would be the left-right motion, the port and starboard rising and lowering, as opposed to the fore and aft. Uh, that's rocking. So you can rock and roll on one of these ships. The stabilizers are meant to reduce that rolling. They are actually two large wings that can retract into the ship or extend outward if the seas start getting choppy. And it's beneath the waterline. So you don't see it as a passenger. But beneath the waterline, these two wings extend outward and create some stabilization. And they look like plane wings. And they're they're pretty big. So uh, they... According to Disney, they reduce roll dramatically. They actually said up to 90 degrees, which is pretty amazing. And I'm not entirely sure how that's possible. But at any rate, uh, they are meant to reduce that rolling so that you don't get that seasick feeling walking around inside and being rocked all over the place. Um, I am not prone to seasickness, so I haven't really had an issue with it, apart from, I think, one cruise where for some reason it was affecting me. But I do know that even with the stabilizers, some folks are a little susceptible to that. So if you ever do go on a cruise, look into Dramamine. That can help you out a lot. Now, one of the other things you have to think about is when you're on a ship and you're out at sea, you are a completely self-contained community. And that means you have to figure out how you deal with other stuff like garbage and waste. And how do you conserve water and energy so that you're not being wasteful? So one of the things they do is they actually have a way of collecting the condensation from air conditioning. So as air conditioners work and water condenses, you know, water from the atmosphere condenses on the equipment, they can actually collect that water. They harvest it and they use that water to wash the decks and they also use it in the laundry system. It's perfectly fine. It gets filtered through and everything. It's just condensed water from the atmosphere. It's actually pretty clean stuff. But uh, Disney estimates that this approach saves them up to 22.3 million gallons of fresh water every year. So it's a pretty interesting way to get around the issue of how do you deal with uh, all of these needs without wasting fresh water. The ship can also distill 1,200 tons of fresh water from seawater every day. And the total potable water storage capacity aboard the ship is 82,000 gallons. They also recycle used cooking oil. So they ha- go through about 264 gallons of cooking oil every week. Now, that oil is taken by a company called the Bahamas Waste Management Company, and they convert it into biodiesel. They also have a uh, partnership with BMW, and there are several BMW vehicles that run on this biodiesel. Uh, in the Bahamas. Disney estimates that it recycles 900 tons of aluminum, paper, plastic, and other odd recyclable stuff every year from their cruise line. Now, going back to the Disney Magic and talking about its original uh, cruises, it set sail on its maiden voyage on July 30th, 1998, out of Port Canaveral, Florida, and originally it only sailed for three- or four-day cruises. Uh, in fact, the first time I ever went on one, it was a four-day cruise. 
Then a year later, the Disney Wonder joined the fleet. Uh, the Disney Wonder and the Disney Magic are nearly identical. The theming is different. It's Art Deco in one, Art Nouveau in another. Some of the spaces are themed a different way, like the different uh, nightclubs and stuff that you can go to have different themes. Uh, the main restaurant on the Disney Magic is Lumiere's. The main one on the Disney Wonder is uh, Triton's. Um, Helmsman Mickey is on a, is in a statue in the lobby on the Magic, and Ariel, the Little Mermaid, is on the the Wonder. But otherwise, apart from some superficial differences, they're largely the same. So once the Wonder came online, it started doing the three and four day cruises, and the Magic began to do seven day cruises, which meant that Disney had to come up with all new ways of entertaining guests and uh, feeding them and making sure they had enough variety on their menus so that people weren't just tired of eating the same thing over and over. So it came up with new challenges. Well, we're getting ready to conclude our episode about the Disney magic. But before we return to port, let's listen to some more messages. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without painful finger sticks. So you can always know which way your glucose is headed. An arrow shows you where you're heading, up, down, or steady. It can also alert you before you go too low or when you're going too high. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM available, you can make better diabetes decisions about food, medication, and activity in the moment. And all those little decisions can lead to big results. Results you can see like more time and range in lower A1C. With Dexcom G7, you can manage your diabetes with confidence. Get started with the number one recommended CGM brand by doctors and patients at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. In 2013, the magic went in for a massive facelift. Uh, Disney actually called it a reimagining, which makes perfect sense when their engineers are called Imagineers. Now, this time, they took it to the Navantia shipyards in Cadiz, Spain. So they weren't at the same place that uh, they were when the ship was being constructed. 
And there was another dry dock period in 2015 that updated a few more features. The 2013 dry dock lasted two months and involved taking apart about 80% of the ship for upgrades, including stripping the ship completely of paint. So you can see pictures of the Disney Magic and dry dock from 2013, and it looks pretty, pretty banged up because all the paint has been removed. Uh, in 2015, they upgraded the engines aboard the Magic to be more efficient and reduce fuel consumption further, uh, along with that special coating on the hull. And one practical addition to the ship was the ducktail. And this was not a Donald Duck reference. The ducktail is an industry term. It's essentially a tank that's placed in the back of the ship that adds buoyancy. And it's distributed so that it provides buoyancy without making the ship list to either side. This is really important because during this renovation period, they added a lot of features onto the Disney Magic, which increased the weight of the ship. And it wasn't built to hold that much weight. So they had to adjust the design of the ship in order to account for that, to account for the change. Disney added a second water slide. There was already one small water slide, which they actually replaced and, and made a slightly larger one. Uh, and this new water slide called the Aqua Dunk is a, uh, a is a, a slide that's designed to do a pretty rapid drop into water. Uh, it's actually a twisty slide. It goes 212 feet, twists that way. And part of that includes a 20-foot clear section that extends out over the side of the ship and over the ocean. So for a 20-foot stretch of that, you're directly over the ocean. You can look down and see the ocean about 100 feet below you. Uh, sliding down takes about five seconds, so you have to look fast. It's actually a really tough thing to have water slides on a ship. This is another engineering challenge. Water slide technology is pretty simple. You pump water up to the top of the slide. You let the water go down using gravity as your main force to the bottom, and then you collect the water, filter it, pump it back up. Not a whole lot of complicated technology there. But the engineering, when you're talking about a water slide on a cruise ship, is much harder. And the reason for this is that cruise ships can twist and torque. They can bend in different ways. They also can expand and contract because the body of the ship is made out of metal. And all of these mean putting extra stresses on what is supposed to be a water-type tight water slide. So if you want a watertight slide and you're going to have all of these different motions to take into account, you have to build it out of very special material and you have to figure out a support system that will move along with the ship while keeping the integrity of the slide intact. On top of that, you have engines running at different levels throughout the cruise, which means you're going to have vibrations sent through the ship. And yes, if you're quiet and you're in a quiet spot, you can feel the vibration from the engines pretty much anywhere on the ship. Of course, you can feel it better when you're closer to where the engines are. But if you're, if you're very quiet and you, and you just, you know, touch a wall, you can pretty much feel the vibrations. Well, that slide has to take that into account too. You are constantly being rattled. So this was actually a pretty tough challenge for the Imagineers to create a slide that was fun and safe and would be resilient to these different uh, stresses on it. And I think that's pretty uh, impressive. Uh, one of the other changes they made was to the ship's horn. Originally, the horn only played the first few notes of When You Wish Upon a Star. And if you're a Disney nut like me and you hear it for the first time on your first cruise, it's a pretty phenomenal experience. You you are surprised and delighted to hear this little Disney touch early on in your cruise experience. And it's also fun to see all the families and kids kind of light up at it. Uh, these days when I go on a Disney cruise, I see a lot of returning cruisers because you can, you can tell the more cruises you go on, the different lanyard you will get. Like, um, you'll have a silver level, a gold level, a platinum level. And I, I just went on my platinum cruise. So anyway. I see a lot of returning guests, so the ship's horn doesn't have quite the same effect that it used to. But the upgrade allowed it them to create new tunes for the horn to play, and they're all Disney-related. Or uh, one of the Disney properties, uh, a property owned by Disney, like Star Wars, there's an Imperial March horn now as well. Uh, also, this is kind of dorky but awesome. There is a physical button to sound the ship's horn. 
Uh, you have to make an announcement first to let people know, hey, by the way, we're going to sound the horn, so be prepared for that. But the button itself is on a console, and around the button is a little frame in the shape of Mickey Mouse ears. So the button's in the center, and you got the two ears on either side. And I know it's dorky, but I love Disney, so I think it's awesome, and I want to push that button so badly. Um, but I, I wouldn't be able to resist it. Uh, th- that, of course, is on the bridge. So it's right there along with all the other controls. Uh, there's a console area where there's the ship's horn. And you usually sound that whenever you're entering or leaving uh, a dock area. The Parrot Key restaurant during this renovation period, the 2013 one, uh, was changed at that time. So Parrot Key, which you can no longer go to, had a Caribbean theme. Um, actually, I don't know. The Disney Wonder might still have Parrot Key, but I haven't been on the Wonder in years, so I'm not sure. But the magic, the Parrot Key is gone. So that had a, a Caribbean theme. It was uh, a lot of the cuisine was Caribbean in in uh, inspiration. They have now replaced that with a restaurant called Cariocas. And Cariocas is named after Jose Carioca, a Donald Duck character in the Three Caballeros cartoon. I don't know why I'm suddenly adopting an accent here. But the Three Caballeros cartoon is a very fun, classic Disney cartoon. And so the uh, the Three Caballeros takes place in South America. And the cuisine at uh, Cariocas is largely influenced by the food of Brazil. So it's a, a different change, different style of cuisine. And they did different theming, different lights uh, in order to give it this much what well, a pretty large change in identity and another space that got a major overhaul was the oceaneers club that's when they ended up being able to incorporate stuff like marvel avengers and toy story things that weren't as uh, prominent back in the late 90s when they were building the ship in the first place so uh when you go to like the or when your kid essentially goes to the avengers academy they can train to become a superhero no word yet if Captain America whispers, Hail Hydra, to each recruit. That's a reference to a storyline that's going on right now in Marvel that I'm not crazy about. I also wonder if the Captain America aboard the Disney cruise ships is getting any flack about being a secret Hydra agent. Because they do have you know, lots of different Disney characters aboard these various ships, including Marvel characters. Typically, it's it's Captain America. Um, they've also had Star Wars characters as well. They've done Star Wars themed ship uh, cruises. I have not gone on one of those, despite the fact that I also love Star Wars as well as Disney. Um, I did not do one of those yet, but I stress yet. Now, one of the other changes they made was at Animator's Palette. I mentioned the fiber optic static displays earlier, the ones that were just black and white sketches of various Disney characters. They couldn't change because they were built into the wall, but then the fiber optics would allow color to come into the picture. And uh, so they would change from black and white to color, but you couldn't change what the portrait was of, right? Like a a, a picture of, uh, of, of Baloo the Bear from the Jungle Book is always going to be Baloo the Bear. It would never change into anything else. When they did the renovation, they pulled out some of that and swapped in LED screens. And now you get a different experience. So instead of it just being uh, images that go from black and white to color, on the screens you'll see sketches uh, start to appear on the various portraits of various Disney characters. And as the dinner progresses, you get more details, you get color, you get animation, um, and they change over time. So you're not looking at just a, a an evolving sketch of a single character. It swaps as the dinner goes on. Uh, and again, it ends up being kind of a show. It's not just dinner. It's also a performance, which is kind of cool. Um, at the end of one of the dinners at Animator's Palette, if you go twice, if your cruise is such that you go to Animator's Palette two times, the second time they have a special show where all the guests are invited to draw a character on a piece of paper. And all of those pieces of paper are taken backstage and scanned into a system. And then when you watch the show at the end, these characters are animated and they appear on screen. So a character you drew will appear 
on screen and dance around and move about. The way they do this is they have special blocks set aside that you draw in things like legs and arms and hands and a head and a body and that kind of stuff. And when they scan it, each of those blocks is uh, designed in such a way that it's considered to be a joint, right? Like the shoulders or the hips or whatever. And so when it's animated, it animates each of these blocks in a way so that the characters can move around when you're looking at them on the screen. When I did this, I drew a pirate with a peg leg and a hook and an eye patch, and his name was Lucky. Other Disney touches, uh, of course, you've got the characters. Uh, you've got the Disney movies that are shown in the various uh, theaters. If a Disney film comes out during your cruise, they show it that same day on the ship. So it's premiere on land and sea. Um, and I think I might be seeing Finding Dory. Uh, by the time I, this episode goes live, I will have seen Finding Dory, assuming that I, it premieres while we're on the ship. I think it will, actually. Uh, which is kind of cool. The neat idea that you get this unique Disney experience. Um, Disney actually also does this, this big fireworks display out at sea. Typically they do this with a pirate themed deck party. So if you've heard the tech stuff episode on fireworks, you know how technical that can get. Uh, in the Disney shows, they tend to be 300 or so shots per fireworks display, which is modest by Disney standards, but it's at sea. So that makes it different. These are also controlled by a system that is highly synchronized with music and other uh, effects so that you get a story throughout the fireworks display, not just stuff shooting off into the sky and blowing up, which is also pretty cool. But it's more effective when it's all synchronized with music and everything else. Uh, they actually hold several patents for their fireworks displays, and they were the first cruise line to have a fireworks display out at sea because it involves getting a lot of permissions from various nautical authorities. Uh, the fireworks themselves are made out of edible material. So when they are done exploding and they go down into the ocean, uh, they can actually be eaten safely by sea life. So there's no, um, there's no pollution there. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. So you can actually check this out and not feel any guilt about it. Some of the ships also have interactive portraits that animate or are part of an augmented reality game aboard the ship. I got to play with one of these on the Disney Dream, I believe. And that's really cool too. This idea that you've got these, these, uh, things that look like they are static portraits from Disney movies. But if you watch, you see that they start to animate and sometimes they interact with each other. I remember coming to one hallway where there were, uh, portraits of pirate ships on either side of the, the corridor. Um, on either side of a, a doorway, really. And they had a battle with each other. They actually started firing cannonballs at each other. And I thought that was really a clever thing to do. And the game aspect, you can play a game where you have um, cards that have a little pattern on them. And when you hold them up to the portraits, the portraits have an embedded camera that can pick up the pattern on the card and tell the portrait, this person is playing this particular game. And it's almost like a uh, scavenger hunt as you go through the ship and you try to solve a mystery or help out a character. And it's really an interesting way to explore the ship as well as engage in a fun, interactive form of technology. Very clever approach to using augmented reality and, uh, and video, interactive video. Uh, so well done there. That was the episode on how the Disney magic works which published on June 22nd, 2016. These days, the Disney Cruise Line has five ships. There's the Magic, the Wonder, the Fantasy, the Dream, and the Wish. Uh, I actually spent my 25th anniversary on the Wish, which ended up being a longer cruise than we intended because Hurricane Ian hit Florida while we were at sea and we could not return to port, so we had to stay on the ship two extra days, uh, which, you know, there are worse ways to have to ride out a hurricane. Trust me. But it was it was definitely a stressful time because you also had to try and arrange things like travel and stuff like that. Things that you couldn't easily do because you were on a boat at sea and didn't have very much connectivity. It was a complicated time. But yeah, it was fun to 
do that episode. Hope you enjoyed it. If you have suggestions for future topics, you can reach me either by downloading the iHeartRadio app, which is free to download and use, navigate over to Tech Stuff using the little search field, and click on that little microphone icon. That can let you leave a 30-second voice message for me. Let me know what you would like to hear in the future. Or if you prefer, you can leave me a message on Twitter. The handle for the show is TechStuffHSW. And I'll talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.